Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to like every single varietal that I create. And that's okay because it's subjective. Style is subjective. Wine is subjective. Everything when it comes to something you want is subjective. So at the end of the day, it's okay. It's okay. You're not insulting me. You're not. My industry is $130 billion. There's something for everyone in this industry. snarky email writing family. Welcome to episode 19. Happy new year. It is 2022, which is nuts. This pod was just like an idea I had in the beginning of 2021 and came to fruition kind of beginning of May, end of April. And I can't believe I'm still with you guys into January of 2022. I'm so, so happy that you all exist and are listening and care and that I'm still doing this. So welcome. If you are new here, you've got a slew of episodes to listen to. We are on episode 19. When I started this, I couldn't even imagine making 20 of these. So we're almost there. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get into it, it's kind of customary. I give a little spiel first, and then we meet our guests. So since it is a new year, I thought this guest would be amazing. She has had many iterations of her life and has done many different entrepreneurial kind of endeavors, some actually not entrepreneurial at all, but in sales or in liquor distribution and and working at bars and owning bars. So I guess that's entrepreneurial. She has lived a really whole full life and made a bunch of different decisions for her professional life over time. And what I think is really incredible about this guest is anytime she's faced with a challenge or a disaster. She just listens and she listens for the answer. And that leads her to her next step. And as we enter this new year, that's something I have spent a lot of time focusing on is just listening. You know, there's something about putting your intention out into the world. And then you've got to sit back and just be quiet and let the world answer you. And if you are a spiritual or religious person, you've got your version of that. But for me, I talk about this all the time. I write funny things on my mirrors in my house. And about six months ago, I wrote the intention to be open to all new opportunities. And although they didn't come right away, anytime and every time something new showed up for me, I just thought about that mirror post and that asking for it. And I couldn't force it. I just had to sit back and wait and listen to what came and see it for what it was, which was a new opportunity that I had asked for. So with that being said, here comes Krishan, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Krishan. Hello. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So what's really cool for the audience, in case they didn't know, you guys can go listen back. It'll probably be like four episodes back, maybe. But during the live or per my last email, Krishan's brand of wine, which we're going to get into, was one of our pop-up shops. And I cannot even tell you how many people came up to me messaged me, emailed me, sent a carrier pigeon to me. Like, (laughs) what is this like wizardry wine? I love it. From there when I was like, oh, and by the way, it's women owned. And by the way, it's minority owned. And those are all just like such yummy cherries on top. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That's great. I never expected the like the wine of all the things to be everybody's like 
main obsession from, you know, afterward. Typically, I'll ask my guests to like start from the beginning, but I don't even know what your beginning was. I'll kind of jump all over the place. So I grew up in the suburb of Chicago, actually, uh, West Suburbs. And it was interesting growing up because I was one of the only minorities at that time in the area throughout school all the way till high school. But I always loved musicals and I played classical piano. I was always in front of people, loved people. I wasn't so comfortable in one-on-ones, but I, I just loved people. So that flourished to college. I lived in New York. I lived in Las Vegas, came back to Chicago, stayed in the city, and I decided to get in high-end retail. Got in high-end retail, was one of the largest books on the avenue, million-dollar book of great, great clients, and again, people. I just loved people, so sales and marketing. Then I took that to the bar ownership. So I used to own an art gallery and bar here in Chicago, and we won Chicago's Best for the Best Wine List in 2009. And So I knew I had a knack for the wine industry. I also worked in distribution. So I have that sales marketing. I worked in distribution of wine and spirits. I also owned an art bar and gallery. So it's kind of this great trifecta of why I entered this world. So it was the connection as well as I did what everyone told me I could not do. They're like, you don't own a vineyard. You're not from Napa. How in the world are you going to get into the wine industry and have your own wine? I said, watch me. So years later, fast forward till now. I need to pause and be like, Yes, sister. All day long. That is my like number one thing. Oh, I can't. You should probably watch. Watch me. Watch, watch me do it. Popcorn, Because this is going to be fun to watch. Here we go. Here we go. 2014, I launched Love Corkscrew to date over a million bottles sold. I'm in Mariano's, Walmart, Target, Whole Foods, Cost Plus World Market, Total Wines and More, sold in 12 different states around the country. And I ship around the nation. Wow. That's a short story. (laughs) That's that's like a little like, oh, you said watch, now watch. You didn't believe me, now watch. Now see what I can do. Now you see. Any other questions? (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Well, that's a great synopsis. Let's start. Let's have a little chat before we even get to the wine. Let's talk about you for a sec. You mentioned like your love for people, but nerves around actual conversations, right? The nerves around that one-on-one. Do you feel like that led you kind of down these paths? Do you feel like it was a barrier for you or you were like, oh, I really got to work on this to get myself where I'm trying to go? Absolutely. There definitely was a lot of work on me that I had to do to feel comfortable on -on one-on-one conversations. I think that came from being an only child because, you know, our imagination is always wondering, we're used to being alone or opposite, right? Where, you know, my parents will will make you like shine because you're their pride and joy. It was me being alone with my dog and the TV or me having to shine. Yeah. There was never any in between. So I didn't have that communication with siblings and such. So it, yeah, it, it definitely was a, a part of why I fell in love with sales, why mm-hmm. I fell in love with starting to get comfortable with those one-on-one conversations. And at the same time, I knew I could take it home because I have that just wow personality. Yeah. So I knew I could take it home with either great sales and I could take it to be something that, uh, that I deserve to have on my own and stop making money for everyone else and make money for myself. So I took my talents of what people are normally scared of, right? A lot of people said they can't be in front of a thousand people. Yeah. I did a TEDx and I felt better on stage than I do again in one-on-ones. I felt home. So that's just who I am. So wine, of course. Why wouldn't I get into wine? I mean, that's a conversation starter anyway. That's exactly what it is. My little podcast following is aware of this. I have an obsession, like unnatural obsession with New York City. 
You mentioned you live there. Tell yeah. me a little bit about your experience. Tell me like what you thought. You obviously are a Chicago girl. I'm a Chicago girl. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think we compare because everyone else on the planet compares the two. What are your feelings? Chicago is a nicer, cleaner New York. Let's get that straight. When I lived there, so I lived there, oh gosh, in uh, two, oh gosh, 99. Oh, wow. Well, let me go back. No, 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 no. I'm I'm showing my age. I actually lived there 94 to 90, between 94 and 96. So about two years. I went to FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology there. Yes. And so I lived right downtown, right on 27th and 7th. I had a ball because it was definitely coming from a small town here in Chicago and Illinois, coming from the small town and being able to go to, I went to Western. So I'm still in that small kind of town, but then I'm Boom, thrown in the middle of New York City. I was like, I'm home. It was so easy for me. It was not hard at all for me to adapt. It was unbelievable. And during the time where New York was so much fun uh, with the amazing emergence of hip hop, art and culture and being at Fashion Institute of Technology. I mean, I knew Dave Chappelle before people even knew who he was, like just because he was hanging out at FIT. Tommy Hilfiger would hang out at FIT. Like everybody was hanging out at FIT at that time. So it was just unbelievable. So I love New York. I just came back from there what last month. So I try to go there as much as possible. I love it. Did you come back for a reason? Well, I came back because I had to graduate. So because I I came back with, so I had, that was a two in one program. So I had two degrees by the time I graduated. So I had to come back. But as far as going back there, it was funny. I was like, okay, if I go back there, because I was so spoiled for living on 27th and 7th, (laughs) if I came back and was just a buyer at Bloomingdale's, which would have been the job that I would take in, I would have to live in Connecticut or something. I wouldn't have been able to live. You would live somewhere else for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be there. So then my parents retired and moved to Las Vegas. So that's why I went to Las Vegas. So I stayed in Las Vegas a long time. I have definitely seen a little bit of everything from the Mm -hmm. West Coast to the East Coast and here in Chicago now. But retiring, I'm moving to the West Coast for sure. I will always visit New York. though. (laughs) That's the thing. Like the West Coast has my heart. I've talked about it on the pod. I had like a very weird, complicated childhood. And I spent my summers in Orange County from like the age of 12 onward. And so for me, the West Coast is like, it's a hug. It's sunshine. You feel like your vibrations just like drop. You're just a little closer to the ground in like the best kind of like grounding way. But then you go to New York. And it's like all the things and they're everywhere. And you want to be in all sensory overload. Yeah. (laughs) But then it's also like, how many shoes can I buy? How much luggage do I have open? And I want to live here forever. (laughs) Um, All right. We chatted a little bit. So you worked a little in fashion right out of college as a buyer. A lot. A lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, I was in it for 20 years. A lot. Tell me a little (laughs) bit about that, because I think those skills probably let us somewhere down the path of where we are now. Yeah, that was definitely me learning to communicate with anybody, anybody. I'm talking from the wealthiest people in Chicago to people who own strip clubs. I mean, like everybody Everybody. during that time would buy high-end retail on Michigan Avenue. I'm talking late 90s, early 2000s. Everything was booming. The housing market booming, realtors, marketers, lawyers, everybody was it's just doing great. So definitely a skill set that I that I learned, but I kind of had it already again as a yeah. child, right? I was a performer. Yeah, right. And that's what sales is. Sales, buying, knowing what the customer wants. So let's go into that buying aspect. Yeah. It's about you listening, not only just reading reports of what people purchase, but listening to what people want, what they like, yes. what's hot, seeing the new trends. And that is the same kind of thing with wine, right? 
yeah. know, like, why, why did you come out with the varietals that you came out with? Because I listen. It's not about me being a wine snob. It's not about my skill set. It's what everyone tells me yeah. that they want and what's missing. Right. And that, that's how I created Love Corkscrew. So absolutely it connected. Absolutely. It's, connected. it's so cool to, to hear. So again, you, <laughs> we're meeting almost for the first time, I think, in this episode. So I feel like I've got to like share my stuff here a little so you know who the hell I am. But I run a real estate and design business. And one of my girlfriends who also runs her own real estate business, she made a video recently and she's like, I think the thing that makes me really good at real estate is that I actually just listen to everybody. The people will tell you the answers. Don't you know them? Like they're going to give you the answer. And by the way, they're also going to tell you how you can connect to them. So they stay to you. Like in the first 10 minutes of meeting. Like they're going to give you the answers (laughs) to the test. So figure it out. If you just get out your own head, I always say that. Yeah, like the buyer, the client, the whatever, they're going to give you the answer and they're going to tell you what they want. And so if you can mold yourself, your business, your product, your whatever, you you know, the clothing that you're selling to them, whatever it is, if you can mold that to be the very thing they've just asked you they need or want or are missing, they're never going to leave you. And then on the flip side, you have to ignore the noise too. You're not going to be able to please everybody. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to like every single varietal that I create. And that's okay because it's subjective. Style is subjective. Wine is subjective. Everything when it comes to something you want is subjective. So at the end of the day, it's okay. It's okay. You're not insulting me. You're not. My industry is $130 billion. There's something for everyone in this industry. (laughs) Like if you don't like it, it's no problem. Your neighbor does. I promise you. I promise you. It's so funny. People will say to me, well, oh gosh, I'm sorry. So sorry, Krishan. I don't drink. That's okay. Cause more than likely you have a friend that does. And they usually say, yeah, (laughs) no problems. (laughs) That's exactly the point. It's that I think it's the feeling you give someone, whether you have a product for them or not, that feeling ultimately is going to get you that referral. It's going to get you that brand memory for you. It's not actually the product necessarily for everyone. You just never know. Whoever's on your side in your corner could be helping you in so many different ways. So as long as you just stay positive and know that there's a reason, trust will always work out. It all works out. Okay, so tell me, we just touched it, but I feel like this is where we got to sink our teeth a bit. I might butcher this. You have a gallery space. You have a wine list that you've made at this gallery space. You've sort of at that point sunk in your teeth a little bit into entrepreneurship. Number one question is, what was that transition like from working for someone, right? And just sales to entrepreneurship. And the thing about sales is there is quite a bit of entrepreneurship there because if you don't sell anything, you don't eat. So that part, it's actually like in many ways, the same other than the framework is built for you. Like the store is there, the clothes are there, like you just need to transact. So that whole piece is missing, obviously. So then you transition into entrepreneurship. Do you want to kind of chat a bit about that transition and what transpired and maybe what was the rough spots? What was the easy part? Well, the easy part was I didn't reinvent the wheel. So whatever I learned from the sales aspect being in retail for so many years, I pretty much took that framework, right? I literally took, okay, you have to do A, B, C. You have to do in this order. This is what works. This is what doesn't work. So I pretty much took the structure and that's how I was able to transition to entrepreneurship and not flinch. And I was always a go-getter. I was always the top book when I was in the sales side. When I was in the GM side, I was always the one where the salespeople would want me to help their customers when they were off that day because they knew Krishan was going to outsell them and help them so they make more commission, right? So I was always going to upsell 
set the, the perfect atmosphere for, for everyone in whatever sector it was. So to be able to transition from sales to entrepreneurship, easy. Now, the bad side, the side that's very complicated is, yes, I had the structure of how to sell, but I did not have the structure of being able to decide how much money I'm going to make how much I'm going to have versus how much is going to uh, go back to the company and stay in the company. So it was very hard to say, okay, do I pay myself? Do I not pay myself? So it was it was very difficult at first. And I know I did not pay myself, but I should have uh, yeah. for so many years. So I would say that would be the hardest part, but it wasn't really hard. And, and, and when people ask about entrepreneurs, I say the best entrepreneurs are salespeople, no matter what sales side you were in, whether it was in cars, whether it was in retail, whether it was in real estate, we all have an entrepreneur spirit. And there's a very small sector of us that actually are good at it. Yeah. It's a very, very niche group, niche group of people. So it wasn't that hard. And uh, with every no, I, I always know there's going to be 10 yeses. And trust me, I get a lot of no's. Yeah. Like, I mean, what was that moment where you're like, or was there a moment even before we got to wine? Was there a moment where you're like, crap, should I like go back to the store? Every day, even with the success of Love Corkscrew, even with the success of Love Corkscrew, I have people that tell me, Krishan, are you crazy when I say, hey, this little frame shop might want to hire me. They're like, wait, what are you talking about, Krishan? You run like this million dollar company. Like, what are you saying right now? It is still a side of There's still a comfort. There, of course yeah. there is. There always will be. Always will be. There will all, never be enough. And I think that's part of sales too, right? We always want more. That's why commission was fine for me in the 90s because I want more. And the fact is you can't stop me with a yeah. salary. Come on, right? Give me more, give me more. So of course, there's always that bit of being scared. There, yeah. There's always scared that one day it will be gone. And what am I going to fall back on? Oh, but I always say I have my college degree. I, I definitely have plenty of experience in sales and retail. There will always be a retail job, but there'll yeah. never always be this opportunity for me to boom the way I am. So right. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I love that. All right. So did you decide like, let me like disrupt the universe because you had a successful wine list? Like what was the moment where you were like, let me disrupt the planet right now. I think that moment is like super interesting. Yeah. Funny. The moment was the moment of loss because I lost the art gallery. We closed actually due to a very awful flood and the flood was caused by baby wipes. Imagine that. So the condo owners above us flushed non-biodegradable baby wipes down the toilet. They had twins and it backed in uh, to our art gallery, which was a storefront and our dram shop insurance did not cover baby wipes. There wasn't a line item that said uh, when baby wipes. Uh, Baby wipes was not on the insurance dram shop insurance policy. Nope. So <laughs> how strange. So, mm, weird, right? So it was that moment of I've lost everything. I was moments from getting kicked out of my home because back then it was the personal guarantee of the SBA loan. Yeah. So and my condo was one of them. So yeah. I was moments away and I said, okay. Probably they're going to knock on my door soon to take my place. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on in the world. I was just in such dark place. Did you own the gallery yeah. as well? No, no, we did not own that space. Okay. So we you, you space. had rent, which like you have a lease, you have to pay it. You have no money. You're not working. So we broke the lease because we couldn't continue paying, lost the gallery, lost the business. So it was me at home. But it was a funny thing. All those people, I told you, I didn't grow up in Chicago. Well, mm-hmm. the people that I met while I owned the gallery, because we owned the gallery for three years. It was one of those things where, again, being in sales, I would, people were always attracted to me. 
Yeah. Whether it be like, okay, whatever she's got, we're going to make sure when we drive by, is she bartending today? Okay, we're going to be there, right? So I would always attract a lot of people. But I was also one of those people I wasn't nosy. I didn't inquire about many people because I worked in the retail industry of people being so wealthy, but you never knew exactly what they did. So I never asked. I want to tell you. Nope. And they did not. They did not. And I did not ask. That's right. So that's really how it went at the gallery. And it was so interesting when I lost everything. It was like, okay, I'm I'm a, a nerd. So it was like Voltron, whoever you want to say, if you want to say the Transformers. It was like everyone came together. One was a lawyer. One worked for the city of Chicago. You know, one was a doctor. Like everybody's coming to there like, oh, we're going to save you, Prashant. Yeah. Without me even asking. Didn't lose my home. Thank goodness. I was able to get just cleared out of, yeah. of all debt and situations. And at that point, I said, okay, so I can keep the place that I own that I've loved, that I've been here for a long time. Am I going to go back into retail? What am I going to do? So it was that moment, I swear. I got out of my bed and my phone was ringing off the hook. And I had a whole bunch of messages of people saying, it was, I forgot what weekend it was. I don't know if it was All Star or one of, it was some big weekend. And people were saying, Krishan, we're going to such as this house for a party. What bottle of wine should I bring? Krishan, oh my God, for New Year's, I want to make reservations at a restaurant. Where should I go? Everybody was always asking me, the best bottle of wine to bring, the best nightclub to go to, the best restaurant to go to. So that's why I was like, okay, got it. That's who I am. That's who I am. Fast forward to creating the name Love Court Screw. Oh, it's- oh, we're getting there. I am so obsessed with the name. Like that's what everyone talks about. It's such a catchy thing that you've done. The name was like the best. You realize you're that girl, right? Like yep. they told you what they needed and you heard them instead of trying to reinvent the damn wheel. You got it. They told you the answer. So you're like, all right, they keep asking me. I might as well give them an answer. I'm going to give them what they want. Yeah, I'm going to give right. them what they want. Because then at least they'll buy it and I'll have money again. That part. It's like a very simple formula. That part. But that want, part. You money, you can have the things you want. And I thought a thing. I need a thing. That's what I know how to sell. I know how to sell products. And I'm thinking, what is that product going to be? I see. And it was, a, it was just an aha moment. I was like, yeah. wine. Wine. I could do wine. So this podcast is audio only. How about you tell me what you are so that I don't butcher it for you? <laughs> I'm classified in the industry as a negotiant. The actual definition is a wine merchant. Um, <laughs> if you want to go like the actual like word by word definition, I believe it's a person that buys grapes and resells it as their own. So let's go a little further. And what does that mean? Yeah. No, I am not the wine that you buy for your wedding and you put your name, John and Susie's wedding on the label. That is not what Love Corkscrew is. I've actually worked with these vineyards uh, over 12 years, most of them. Okay. And we have developed my own product. How long have you had Love Corkscrew? Love Corkscrew has been around since 2014. Okay. But you've been working with these vineyards. Yes. Before that. Long time. So let me connect the dots. Remember when I said I worked in distribution and sales. So that, and that was for wine and liquor. So that's when I started meeting all these people. So all these connections, when I own the bar, also you get connections in that realm too. It's almost like once you're like a fraternity, right? Once you're in, you're in. It was a mixture of knowing these people, knowing exactly how this process can work, learning, listening. So I've been working with these people for a while. So when it came time to launch Love Corkscrew, it was like, okay, let me fly out to this vineyard. Let me drive out to this one. Let me bring up those sales skills and tell them I can outsell their own product. 
to date, I've outsold them all times three. What it is, is I'm actually dissecting exactly what I want from the time harvest happens all the way to the time it hits the bottle. So let's say I decide I want Riesling. Okay. So when I decided to source the Riesling from Michigan, I said, what are the qualities of a Michigan Riesling that makes sense for Love Corkscrew? It's really crisp, pungent. It has an amazing kind of grapey, grapefruit, citrusy feel to it that I think it's a perfect acidity for, for Riesling. So I say, okay, this is what I want my residual sugar to look like. This is where I, how I want my acid to be balanced in that bottle. So I'm actually going from the time they pick those grapes to the time it hits the bottle. I'm making it my own. So their custom crush is a, is a way to put it as well. Custom blend. But it's all me working side by side uh, with the winemaker to create. Yeah, to, I to see. Okay. So it's my recipe. Right. So, uh, so all those sort of quote unquote naysayers are like, you're not going to go like open a vineyard. Like, this is the solution to that. No, I am not in fact going to go work and own a vineyard. Like we're not doing Correct. that. This is the solution. Correct. And I would assume there are many, many brands that are doing this. Funny. And then no, no, there isn't. And I'll tell you why. So yes and no, right? So there are going to be a lot of larger companies that are doing this that have several wine brands under them or uh, doing what I'm doing. But for a small business, it's very, very difficult. It's extremely expensive. Because and they understand I'm working that three tier system here. So just because you have the money to go do your custom crush does not mean you have the connection and the believability from a distributor who has to sell your wine. You can't just sell your wine. That's, that's right. illegal. So, OK, so so you, they have to trust that your product is good enough. Then not only that, once they take it in and trust your product is good enough, they then have to sell it to the stores. So. Who are you connected with in what stores, what restaurants to make that product even move? So there's a lot of moving parts. I see. And a serious tier system here um, for people to not do what I do. However, the larger companies that can do what I do love doing what I do or do it themselves because you can have so many different flavor profiles from so many different vineyards. One vineyard is only going to have a certain flavor profile in what they produce. Right. The fact that you can pick and pull from different places around the entire world you can I have see. so many different flavors and, and great varietals. You can have five different For one brand. You've got all the colors of the rainbow. Exactly. Than, you know, two markers because they're always coming from the same. Like you've got the purple Bingo. and the yellow because that's the only thing the vineyard makes versus you've got all the colors in, in that box. Exactly. Perfect. I can create a great Concord in Niagara, which is, is definitely Midwest and East Coast. But I also have a great Cabernet Sauvignon that I produce in California. Got it. A vineyard in the Midwest cannot do that, cannot produce an amazing Cabernet Sauvignon. They would have to go get the grapes from California and bring them to their facility. That becomes very expensive. That seems stupid. (laughs) That part. (laughs) Got it. Since you're a little new to this per my last email world, in case the name didn't kind of give it away. We're a little cheeky. <laughs> I love We're it. A little cheeky around here. We like to talk about the things that sometimes are put under chairs and tables and pretends aren't things like how women don't always end up in certain industries or how people of color don't always end up in certain industries or how sometimes women aren't even nice to each other to help each other end up in certain industries and all of those things combined. And the many reasons we write or think about writing snarky emails and then don't because it's already hard to get into the goddamn industry to begin with. What has kind of been your experience with, I'm going to sound real ignorant right now, but I would imagine there is a bit of pushback when a person of color shows up and says, I would like to start a wine business. 
Oh, huge pushback. There's, there's literally, if I had know exactly the document of African-American women negotiants, vineyard owners or winery owners, there's literally 60 of us out of 111,000 in the world. So I'm like 0.0009%. So to answer your question, 100%. Pause. Six, zero? Six, zero. 60. Six, zero. So minus you is five, nine. Five, nine. And let me be very specific. Let me be very specific. Out of the entire world. Let me be very specific. African-American women that are either negociant, vineyard owners, or winery owners. Now, African-Americans as a whole, I think there's 132 of us. So still ridiculously, stupidly tiny. So yes, to answer your question, absolutely. Interestingly, that would be half, that's like close enough to half and half men, women. You're absolutely right. Some of them are husband and wife. Yeah, that makes combination. Um, But, but yes, you're absolutely right. So Yes, there's pushback. There's still pushback. I've been in this industry 20 years. I've owned Love Course for going on eight years. December, right. my anniversary is actually tomorrow, I believe. I'll the be anniversary, eight. Love so, Course. Thank you. <laughs> so eight years in, still people don't believe it. I'm in Mariano's. I'm in Total Wines and More. I'm in Walmart. I'm in Whole Foods. My face is on the side of some of the aisles in Whole Foods. But there's still pushback. I've walked into rooms with old white farmers and they're wondering like why I'm here. They think I'm just like the poster child for a brand, right? I'm just an ambassador serving wine. And then after a while, you know, and I'm, I'm one of those people where I always read a room and I'm not necessarily, I am woman, hear me roar. So it's very much of me listening again, these listening skills from sales. And then eventually these people will come up and say, wait, you're the owner, aren't you? (laughs) Wait, you're Krishan. A lot of people think Krishan is a guy. It's very much of, oh, got it now. Got it. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. So it's unbelievable. What I'm trying to get at is people, there are many parts of my life that are, as we discussed, like, you know, get some popcorn and watch. And other people ask, like, don't I get tired? And I do. I'm tired a lot from like proving my point all the time. Was there ever a point of like, I'm assuming, especially in the beginning where you were like, all right, I'm doing this, this is happening. And there was so much pushback that you were like, Jesus, like, I know we talked a little bit about like, you you know, every day we're like, ah, screw it. I'll go like work at Mariano's, but (laughs) like, I have the same thing periodically, but is there, it was a really like this moment of like, this is like a defining, I'm making a decision to tell everyone to screw off. It was, and I'm going to be very serious about this answer. It was definitely during the death of George Floyd. Okay. That for me was when I was like, oh, game on, Mm -hmm. game on. Through the entire time that I've owned Love Corkscrew, there has been ups and downs. There's always been a moment of me crying and saying, okay, five minutes of crying. Okay, done. Now let's, let's move on. There's been no's sent to me without people even looking at my portfolio, without even tasting the wine saying, no, your wine is kitschy. The labels are kitschy. Uh, No, I I don't, I don't, they're not serious. I I don't want any part of it. But then after I got that, no, next thing, you know, Walmart's like, okay, I'll take thousands of bottles or Mariano's who were my first account ever is huge fans of Love Corkscrew. Bob Mariano knew Love Corkscrew and took in Love Corkscrew. So there's been moments. So each time I get that moment of I'm done, I'm tired, I can't take it anymore, I'm sick of proving myself all the time, but then I pick myself up. However, the death of George Floyd was, oh, I'll repeat it, game on. At that point, it was 
there's no failure that's going to happen with Love Corkscrew. Not only am I going to ridiculously succeed, but I'm not only going to also break every glass ceiling so there's no more to be broken, but I'm going to prove that you can make it in an industry that doesn't look like you and there's no stopping you. It was too much for me to take that it takes a video to show the ridiculousness that's happening in this world. So yeah, that was it. And it was kind of funny, but I knew this was going to happen. My yeah. web sales went up 272%, like literally two days after everything was support black, support black. So that went up. So I'm like, okay, we'll see how long this lasts. Right. Then I said, okay, as that dies down, but my right. product is great. That was the one catch, right? You know, like, wait a minute. Like if the, the social of it all sort of pushes this forward, the benefit to you is you've got a great product. So that part. either way, <laughs> everyone's trying this great product for this one time. And inevitably, because the product's good, not just you know, the, the color of your skin or the company or whatever the social is pulling it towards the product is great. And so they're going to keep coming back. That's what happened. And that, and it was, it was funny thing. It it was a funny thing because people were asking me, they're like, okay, so they are telling me, you know, this is not going to last. Right. I'm like, I know, but watch, watch what's going to happen. We were packing so much wine. So many wine clubs were going off. Our wine was flying off the shelves. People uh, that have never followed me on social media, my it just was like wildfire, wild, wildfire. Then I'm like, okay, I, I again, I've been in retail a long time. I know percentages. I know what percentage is going to drop off. Yeah, like 30, 40 percent. They're going to be bye bye. And then there's going to be that rest that's left, that that 60 ish percent that's either going to recognize Love Corkshoe and now possibly buy it from the store more, tell their friends about it. That's right. And then there's going to be some repeats and then there's going to be the booming ones. What are the booming ones? The booming ones are the ones who I bought a bottle. Oh, and I happen to be the national buyer for this huge store. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, in about two months, I'm going to call Krishan <laughs> and she's going to be put in our stores nationwide. And that's literally what happened. Once the normal consumer dropped off, the amazing corporate directive started occurring. And this has been, Q1 is going to be insane for Love Quirks Crew. Between uh, Myers, who took our product in in every single store of theirs and is going to be highlighting it during Black History Month. Home Shopping Network. I'm going to be on the Home Shopping Network. They reached out to me. They're like, we want you. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just been an amazing, amazing time. 2022 is going to be great for Love Quirks Crew. And I can't yeah, it sounds like it. That's so exciting. And And I think the thing to remember here and for listeners and anybody who's working on something and they're just feeling like, like their moment hasn't come. I think the reality is the the thing that has made you successful beyond, I want to call it a disastrous time, but the problem is it's actually been disastrous all along. It's just now at the forefront of imagery and being shoved as images and videos. The thing beyond that, because you are right, at at some point, unfortunately, like it's going to stop being shoved and the status quo, we would all hope is in the process of changing. And that's the general idea of what I hope is everyone's plan in every moment and every step they're doing in their own businesses. But all of that only works in your benefit. If you have a useful product, you would get all of this like (laughs) publicity and all, you know, all this attention and then nothing else would happen. Because you would never get a repeat client because the product was crap. Correct. And so that's why I said, bring it on. That's why I'm like, let go. I knew I had that. The thing that would always irritate me the most, I would say when I started, so kind of to go back to one answering one of your questions, it would be that, are you ready question? 
Do you yeah. have a business bank account? Uh, do you have an accountant? Do you have this? I'm like, are you kidding me? Yes. Yes, I have that. I have a UPC code on a bottle showed nationally. You think I don't have that? So that would irritate me because mm-hmm. the assumption is a minority business isn't ready, that we don't have the NI, what NAICS codes that I have here on the back of my that we You're don't just, have you're not everything. organized. Like no, no. one organizes you. You're just like, no traps, random out your car. Hobby that like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Selling t-shirts out my car. That is frustrating. Mm-hmm. So when it was asked, well, are you going to have enough product to go national? I have product coming around across the, from Chile right now. Yes, I have enough product. Of course I have enough product. So it's things like that that's irritating because the assumption is I'm going to fail because I'm not ready. So again, when things happen. Of your ability. Total, total. total. Mm -hmm. So when things happened and uh, like I said, I got those people to reach out that that were corporate decision makers. It was like, yeah, the Eagles landed. Let's roll. Because you had done all the hard work behind closed doors and you were like, I've got my ducks in a row. They've been sitting here in the row. They've, they've been standing here in the row. That's, yeah, that, that's right. They've been literally standing <laughs> in boxes. The people in your life, whether they're in your business or in your personal life or friend, whatever, right? The people in your world, do they ever like wonder why you are prepared the way you are prepared? Let me explain that further. I think when somebody is an entrepreneur, we spend a lot of time in our heads thinking about where the pothole is going to be how to cover it prior to driving the car over it, what to do in case, even when you drive over that pothole with the cover, that the hubcap or whatever the, the thing is on your car doesn't blow up. Like we overanalyze the whole thing sometimes because we don't have room for catastrophic disaster. Like catastrophic disaster, like no one's going to clean up that mess, right? Like it's game over. It's, sometimes I've interacted with people and I've had other entrepreneurs say this to me where they're like, Everyone around me sometimes tells me to calm the F down and I don't have space to calm the F down because when all those people call, I'm prepared. Prior to all those people calling you, did you have team members? Did you have family, whatever? They were like, why are you like, you don't have anywhere to send this wine from Chile. Like, why are you going to Chile? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Right. What is that tug of war for you been in your life versus what you're trying to build and you knowing what it's going to be? and planning for this vision no one else understands. Blessing is I'm a multitasker and I think ahead and I'm extremely intuitive, extremely intuitive. I am one of those crazy freaks who knew that, know that you're calling like right before you call. I get it from my mom's side and it's, it's almost psychic actually. Yeah. So it's funny that anyone who asks my friends or family or colleagues about me and they say, how does she do it? Their answer is always because it's Krishan. She can do it. <laughs> she can do anything. And she can overcome a lot. One of the biggest things I overcame was losing everything when I lost the gallery because I put all my money, property that I had that was connected to it. I had to short sale one of my buildings because of of that, that loss. So I've been through it. I wanted to have children, but mm-hmm. I had to have an emergency hysterectomy. So I could not have children. So there's been so many obstacles that have come to me that it gets to a point where you have to understand that it's bigger than you. It could be something that your life is showing someone else. It could be someone else that you're inspiring. So sometimes you have to get out of your own head and stop being so narcissistic to think that everything revolves around you. And that's what I learned. I learned from the loss. And I felt like I'm always picking up the pieces. 
always picking up the pieces. So when it came to entrepreneurship and the loss and, and being able to maneuver in this world, people are like, yeah, Krishana can do it. She can do it. So I don't struggle. I, I don't struggle in that sense. Each day I struggle. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Let me contradict yeah. myself. I, of course, each day I struggle. I don't know what, what's going on. Um, my boyfriend, I just like, I just sometimes I just walk up to him and just hold him for like a good solid five minutes and then walk away and keep get back. <laughs> I walked up to my sister and I was like, I'm just going to hug you. I That's don't it. really need anything nope. from you. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go back to what I was doing. And it was great. And that's what I do. And then that helps ground me right now, literally in my house, I'm in my home office now and there's chaos going on because it's wine season. So we're packing for a virtual event that has over 80 people. There are people uh, that had an event yesterday for me at House of Blues that they were selling products and things because I have other things than wine. My world is chaotic right now. Chaotic right now. However, I have an amazing village. I have amazing people around me. And I have to tell this really quick story. Uh, I entered in a contest for Dell. So it was to win $40,000 worth of Dell technology. So when I entered in this contest, it was I was against four powerhouses, uh, three powerhouses. It was like the final four. We get I get to the final four. I make it to the last round. And this whole time during this contest, it was a voting contest on Instagram. Okay. The whole time I could not sleep. So this is a good 72 hours. Maybe I had three hours of sleep within uh-huh. those 72 hours. Because what am I doing? Calling everybody, texting everybody, sending out emails. Can you vote? All I need you to do is hit Krishan on IG story. There's no stop. So it gets to the final day and I'm, I'm against it's me in the final round. The final, me against the last person. And I'm hitting everybody up so it was almost this moment where um so I'm, I'm a little older so I used to watch this cartoon called Thundercat <laughs> and the, the the cartoon Thundercat was when someone was in trouble they would turn out it's almost like a Batman with the bat signal they would send up this cat signal mm-hmm. and everybody would look at it and come running to help you right like that literally like whatever's going on we're going to stop what we're doing and we're going to come help you that is what happened during this contest, my sorority sisters, I had celebrities voting for me. DJ Jazzy Jeff voted for me. It was insane. Everyone. It's everyone. By the time I hit the next morning, I won over 60% of the vote. I was 60 against 40. I bawled. And as soon as that happened, it was like, whoa. And this is going to tie into what we were talking about a little earlier. Your village. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I didn't even know that I had affected so many people because we're always in our own heads. We're always, there's so many going, there's so many moving parts. We're nonstop looking at the next, or like you said, that pothole, we're trying yeah. to fill it. We're doing all this stuff. But sometimes you have to kind of breathe and be like, oh my God, look at how many people I affect. These people were all night long texting me saying, okay, Grishan, you're at this, you're at this percentage. All right, I'm about to call my cousin and have them vote. And somebody has two accounts. I'm going to get them to vote. They're just, it's just like they were all, I didn't even ask. Like the like what the new saying is, say less. That's yeah. what a lot of people were doing for me. And next thing you know, the next morning I found out I won $40,000 for the Dell Technology. This just happened. This just happened. It just happened. Congratulations. Well, that, okay, that leads to my very, I know we are like out of time. That leads to my very last question for you. And I'm just so thankful you did this and what you probably don't know. So when I staff that 
event and picked who was doing it and whatever. I basically stalked the bejesus out of everybody. I generally stalk the bejesus out of people before I make decisions about things. Absolutely. Um, it seems normal. You have, I'm going to butcher what it is. I'm going to say it all wrong. I'm, I apologize. You have maybe like a YouTube video series. Maybe it's not on YouTube. Maybe there's some sort of video series that feels very per my last email-esque minus the cheeky name. That is what <laughs> it's like. She's my person. Come here. The love seat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Me, but I just made like the sweetest, like frowny, <laughs> but happy face. Yes, the love seat. Tell me whatever you want about the love seat. So funny, really quick. It was just, it was just weird how it happened. It was simply uh, doing a lot of speaking engagements all the time. And I would have women that would come up to me that I never met that would start crying as soon as they saw me. Whether it be something that I inspired within that mm-hmm. particular speech, whether it's something that they saw in my transparency on social media, yeah. they would just start bawling. So I said, okay, okay, how, how can I touch someone at as many times as I possibly can for just like three minutes? How can I do that? So my creative director, Christian, who does all my photography, all my video, everything, he says, Krishan, let's do a series where you just talk just for three minutes and whatever topic that you have. Just talk off the cuff. I have never pre-recorded it. Everything is just literally, I've never taken more than one take. It's just me sitting on my love seat. Another thing, my, my condo is used to be a place of just people would love coming here. I would always have a great bottle of wine. And they always say, I just make them feel at home. And my furniture is extremely comfortable. It's like a loft space. So I have this great love seat. And people would always fall asleep in that love seat because they feel so comfortable. So I said, that's where I'm going to take the love seat. So literally it's me for three minutes talking about personal life, talking about entrepreneurship, talking about business life, talking about the per my last email, things that happen. And that's how the love seat was created. And it's so funny because it was just something I was doing. It was, it was totally not structured, not, it doesn't come out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. I need to. However, it's funny. So all of the, I've been approached by reality TV a lot. A lot of people want me to on some reality shows. And the first thing they say, tell us about the love seat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, you don't even want to hear about the wine. You want to hear about yeah. the wine. But I love it. I love it. So I'm glad you mentioned it because Christian told me the other day that I need to tape another one because I have so many topics I can talk about. So I'm going to tape another one tomorrow. So I'm glad you mentioned that. There we go. Do that. Do that. I literally like I was like, I mean, the event was all women owned businesses and I was like, I need alcohol. And I literally was like, women owned alcohol, Chicago. And I found the love seat before I found wine. And then that's I, funny. And then I like went, but I, t- I, I love it. Looked for wine and then yeah, yeah. love seat. And then was like, oh, this woman literally is parallel to my life. And then I was like, oh, and good news. She still has wine, which <laughs> solves my other problem. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I definitely need to take some more. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate you so much for doing this. Thank you for taking the time in your busy season. My pleasure. We will plug you all over. You have a far bigger following than my little baby family following, but my little baby family loves you. I love it. Um, and the extra wine from that event, I actually went and drove around to, well, I had 15 bottles extra. So 15. Uh, I love it. Wine. Got Thanksgiving thankful little grams with a bottle Yay. of wine and I made bows and put bows on them. So I love it. New people that have tried your wine. Love it. Love Corks is a great gift. So I love it. I love it. Was, it. And like such a good cheeky name. Clearly, yep. I like a cheeky name. Awesome. I love it. Thank you. It was <laughs> My great pleasure. To with you. <laughs> 
Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, or I thoroughly annoyed you enough that you feel like you have to come back for more, please go subscribe, rate us, send a review, and share us on social. You sharing us means all of our struggles don't have to be in silence anymore, and it means we all have a voice. Most importantly, it means I get to keep making episodes. So please, go share. 